This is Central Carolina Journal, a program that highlights events, programs, and slices of life happening throughout our communities. I'm Fred Brucker. Thanks for joining us. The music you're hearing is titled One More Time, performed by Big Break, a band from China Grove, North Carolina. Big Break is one of 10 groups currently slated to perform at the 2022 Carolina Indie Fest. The two-day event is hoping to build on what started as an In the Streets outdoor festival last year. This year, it's scaled back a little bit, mostly in an effort to keep the event alive, but still striving to build something that will continue on an annual basis. The event, of course, centers around the love of music, but also the sake of community. Tim Emmert is the owner of Hugger Mugger Brewing in Sanford, but he's also the organizer of Carolina Indie Fest. We talked about music and community and what we can expect out of the festival this year, and perhaps in years to come. Please tell me that you love me, baby, one more time. So, Tim, you were involved in the first Indie Fest that happened in Sanford, uh, which was last year. And, of course, the world has become a much different place than it was even just a couple years ago with certain viruses and scares and other things which shall not be named. Let's talk about what it was like to put on a festival in downtown Sanford, which is... Not necessarily close, but not necessarily far from larger places like Raleigh and Greensboro. And trying to put on an event like a Carolina Indie Fest for the first time in a world where people are slowly trying to come back to normal? Um, yeah, good question. You know, we had no idea kind of what to expect and we're very pleasantly surprised. I think everyone last fall was really hungry for something to do outside. Live music hit that ticket for just about everybody. And so we actually had a, a really successful first year, we felt like, somewhere between you know eight to 10,000 people over two days in downtown. So that, that's one measure of success. We had several businesses tell us that was the best day of the entire year for them, which certainly is music to our ears. Yeah, there was a lot to learn. Uh, we did not have to coordinate you know, the music and the stage and, and the production side of things. So that really made it a lot easier. But we still did a lot of marketing, coordinating, planning, all the things that you have to do to ensure things come off smoothly. And um, I like to tell folks that the first day of the festival on Saturday last year pulled up to that light in, in tramway right beside uh, CVS. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm looking, and there's not many people out. It's early because I'm, I'm, I'm coming in to set things up. And I just remember looking at that light saying, oh, man, what are we doing? I, I, hope, this is, I hope this thing comes off okay. And then the next day on, on Sunday, I've had all of Saturday under my belt. And I remember pulling up that same light saying, man, I can't believe how excited I am to be coming back here. And I get a whole nother day of it. 
what was truly amazing was being able to walk around downtown wherever you went there was there was great live music and you know the the smell of of food from all the food trucks was in the air there were all these people selling you know crafty type things um vendors all over the place and it was cool to see the performers you know walking through the crowd too and they're taking it in and they're having a great time so it was um a lot of work to coordinate that um and it was a lot of work this year as well but it, it seemed like it really hit you know a very positive note for a lot of folks this year you know we um we we took on everything ourselves and i was a little worried what the what the reaction would be because it's expensive to do these um sort of events and uh, we reached out into the community and and found almost 30 businesses interested in sponsoring this and and bringing it back and when i saw that i said okay we did okay last year people heard about it they loved it i know so many families that you know their their kids are grown up and they they've gone elsewhere but they came back because they're somewhat local and they said hey let's meet up at, at indie fest you know we'll make a weekend of it we'll just mm. you know spend the time going to see some live music grab a bite to eat maybe a beer or two so i, I think folks caught that vibe that it was you know family orientated in that way but mm-hmm. it, it was also a lot of really good rock and music. You know, that's one of the things that I sort of realized when I've talked to people that had gone and and taken in that experience is that it really was this community event that had this sense of community to it, in addition to the entertainment that was going on. You alluded to the fact that things may be a little more smaller scale this year, but I'm kind of curious with having done the event last year and to the extent that it was, were there any lessons that were learned from doing this sort of thing the first time through and things that you're carrying forward in terms of those lessons and observations? Yes. <laughs> in, in short, yes. Um, some of it has to do with last year we had two stages and very poor signage. So folks definitely knew that there was a stage in front of the brewery. And they knew if they wandered to the back of the brewery that, oh, there's a second stage playing as well. So we, we learned that that lesson. And, and, you know, we did have to scale down this year to one stage. So we won't have that particular issue. But, yeah, also keeping it simple. There were all sorts of bells and whistles that we had talked about adding on. There were busker stages that didn't come to be because the company that was going to provide them didn't show up. There were a few other bells and whistles that were kind of added in and just created um, – probably more work than they were they were ultimately worth they were good efforts i mean it was a good idea and um i I really appreciate you know the thinking behind it but long short of it that that didn't work also you know we had a a rising star and i don't know if we really knew it at the time but there was a uh, an artist named nitro nitra who performed and then later showed up on nbc's singer songwriter competition oh yeah 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 and um listed indie fest out as one of her best performances of the year and i guess uh, i hadn't thought about it beforehand i was just enjoying the music but now going into this i say oh is there like a nitro nitra in this group you know that maybe we'll see blow up next year and um that was an angle to to doing this that i hadn't really thought about i was so focused on let's just make it a quality event mm-hmm. and um and, and so there was there was that um, I, I think too, you know, you talked a little bit about there's a community side of it. And I think one of the things that we've looked at is trying to add things to the experience that either enhance it or work well with it without trying to make it seem forced. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
We have a um, young lady here lives locally. Her art name is Van Gogh's Love Child. <laughs> and Van Gogh's Love Child is going to be setting up a, a, a large canvas next to the stage. And she's actually going to be doing live art and painting oh, wow. during the performances. We haven't talked about that too much because we're only now starting our promotional kickoff. But there's also yoga on stage. Uh, Sanford Yoga Center is having a free yoga session on Saturday before the bands get on stage, which is really cool. I mean, if you if you've never been on stage before and you want to see you know what it's like, you want a connection to that. Um, and also, Lindsay and Amber and Mike are, are just fun people. They're going to have a good time with it. So, you know, it's little things that we're trying to add to the mix. <laughs> Last year we had a um a festival beer that we produced and we couldn't release it until after the festival because it needed federal approval for the ingredients used mm-hmm. and we had sort of a little bit of a rock fight with the feds on on how to handle those ingredients. So, this year we are brewing an old ale and it is going it will be ready in time for Indie Fest, so we'll have a beer release that day. So it's those sort of things that we try to add something, you know, that enhances things without taking the focus off too much from what is the meat and potatoes of the day as as those bands. Well, that's just it. I mean, people come for the music by and large, but the thing of it is it's some of these other elements like the seminars, the live art, the things that are happening in the various businesses around town that really add the slice of life to what goes on in these small festivals because – I should clarify that maybe not necessarily a small festival, but, you know, we're not necessarily bringing in big names, at least not big names yet. But it's those sort of things that really do make those community events feel like community. Yeah. Yeah. There there will be uh, a number of what I like to call crafty vendors, which are people who make things by hand. That's not to say anything against folks who are retailing for other things, but this is the sort of you know vibe that we're giving off. If we're having all original music, we want vendors with all original product. Mm, mm. Um, so there's that, and you know, and we have you know we have food trucks you know each day, and it's uh, it's a wide variety of things. Uh, for instance, one of the best known trucks that nobody ever talks about is a truck called uh, Lick Your Finger. Lick yeah. Your Finger, they're so good. It's uh, uh, Caribbean cuisine. They do a coconut shrimp that will knock your socks off. It's really funny. It's like they're when they serve, it's like restaurant style food. You mm-hmm. know, it's really high level, good, good food. But um, you know, they don't do a lot of self promotion, and I don't know how many people actually know about them. But they're going to be there, and several other of our local food trucks. We tried as much as we could this year to you know kind of keep things close to home. You know, that's one of the things that really fascinates me. When I was growing up, and even when I was a young adult, they weren't called food trucks back then. They were called roach coaches. (laughs) You got the food because it was there. You had to. But it has really evolved into this thing that's become a subculture of its own. And the way that people get excited about these things at various festivals and events and the different tastes that you can get that you might not necessarily be able to get at a standalone place in town. Yeah, I mean, it just has become an event in and of itself within an event. Yeah, it, it's it's remarkable. You can literally you can find everything under the sun. All the restaurants that you you know you want to visit, but mm-hmm. you can't normally because they're either just not here locally or they might not be supported. I mean, and so, sometimes in small communities, we're not going to get a Korean restaurant, but mm-hmm. we can get you know bulgogi food truck, right? Yeah. So that 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 has been uh, exciting and, and interesting and fun, but. Um, you know, it's just, it, it'll be one part of, 
you know, what we're up to on these two days, September 23rd and 24th this yeah. year. So let's transition now and talk a little bit about the music. Before we get to the individual artists and groups that are going to be coming, one of the things that is impressed on me is in this modern world that we're in where you go into, well, number one, I don't see a ton of music stores anymore, but anywhere that you would normally have gone to buy music in the past, there's maybe a small CD rack out there, but I can't tell you the last person I know of that actually went and bought a CD. People are getting their stuff online. Hopefully they're paying for the music when they get it. That's a whole nother story. That notwithstanding, how important is it for festivals like this for artists that come and perform, especially these unsigned, smaller groups that come in terms of their recognition, their awareness, and actually being able to make a living from the art they do. Yeah, uh, I think it's fairly important. I mean, for a number of reasons, some artists, uh, and I don't think we have that this year, but some artists really you know, haven't played much on a stage even, right? Mm. With a full sound system and lights and and a backline, you know, for a really truly emerging artist, that would be the case. And we had some last year, of course, with a larger field of musicians, you, you do want to entertain people at every level of the industry. So I think that's a, I think even all artists need new content. And by that, I mean, they, they need the photographs, they need the video, they need the exposure, you know, they need fans to hear their music and, and love them. There's all that. I have a meeting this week with a local photographer who took a lot of the shots last year. He just happened to show up. His name is Braxton Dean, Mm. Braxton Dean Photography. He just showed up to the festival, was having a good time, and took the best shots of the show. I mean, just as an I'm going to go in and have a good time. And this year, what I'll be talking about with him is we need some, some shots that we can send to these folks afterwards and say, hey, you know, use these in your promotions. You're promoting us too, but look, you look, you look great on that stage. Get it in front of your fans. We'll get some video and be sharing that as well. So yeah, it all feeds together for that exposure. I think it works both sides. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean, if we can really turn this festival into something, you know, folks look forward to broadly across, you know, North Carolina and really build the profile of it, then that's only going to help the artists as well. And so they want that and we want that. And we're all kind of all oars in the water going in the same direction. Honestly, that's another spin on that idea of community. When you're talking about the community of the artists and the community of place, the venue that these things are happening in, what benefit potential is there for the city of Sanford in putting on a festival like this? Yeah, exposure, bringing people to downtown that have never been there before. I mean, Sanford is such a beautiful downtown area, and the investment that has been made by the city in the downtown, it looks striking. Even since we moved in, we started working on our building in 2017. Since then, everything has moved very, very quickly in terms of the look and feel of downtown. It it is rapidly becoming exactly what people had hoped it would be a decade ago. It's just amazing, and we need folks to come in and see that, because I, I think all these investments need to be rewarded by folks coming to our downtowns and rewarding the businesses that are there, ours included. I mean, I'm I'm not (laughs) unaware of that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But broadly, I mean, it's a rising tide for everybody downtown. So that's where I feel like a festival like this really helps. You know, we we do have other things that, that are going on downtown. You know, we've got Sanford Street Fest and all the concerts in the park that Downtown Sanford Inc. does. Mm -hmm. They're fantastic. We need that. And that's one part of downtown. But um, 
really what we would like to do this year is shut down the streets and, and do two stages and really blow it out in that way. But, you know, with the amount of time we had, we really we couldn't do that. But still, I mean, we're going to have a great introduction for probably a few thousand people that may or may not be that accustomed to coming downtown. And the more more times you can get folks to do something, the more they're going to do it again in the future. So, you know, I've reached out to some of the local restaurants even and said, listen, we only have three food trucks a day for this. We're expecting between two to 4,000 people, perhaps, mm-hmm. right, if things go very well with our marketing. And um, I said, how about we set up a table for you? And people can call in orders and, you know, meet you at that table, you know, get you some business that day, any way of getting people exposure. So we're friendly to that. We've, you know, try and partner as much as we can with our folks downtown and hope, as I said, that a rising tide really does lift all boats. We should uh, mention as well that uh, the event is somewhat scaled back this year compared to last, in part because people that were involved last year are uh, no longer involved this year. And that's some of the language of trying to put things together in a much more hurried fashion than it was the year before. Sure. So, And it's something where this event, as you describe it, is something that you feel like the momentum needs to keep going for the continuity aspect in order to be able to build this for years to come. Yep, that was it. That was what Cliff Wheeler was talking about the other day on his podcast with The Rant. It was vital to keep it going. Cliff and a guy by the name of Scott White, they approached us, and they weren't the only ones. We had several people come and say, listen, we will help you. Just please, can you do this again? It was it was awesome, and you know, we don't want to lose this. The real impetus behind it was, was Cliff and Scott coming and saying, listen, we'll we'll work with you on the rate for this, for stage and light and sound production, if we can just keep this thing going. Mm. You know, we're very grateful to that. It was going to be very tight to put this festival on. It's actually <laughs> amazing we've made it this far. But in three weeks in June, you know, we got 30 sponsors on board and our amazing artist, Andy Swartz, came through in very little time to make a compelling and fun design that actually speaks to our feelings about the event. Andy put together a design that is literally like a clean slate, a wiping across a slate with brighter petals on a flower up above and, you know, darker below to indicate, you know, we're we're kind of growing out of this thing. This festival, we're not going to let the bad vibes get us. It's going to be a clean slate and we're going to have a lot of fun. So let's talk about some of the artists that are slated to appear for Carolina Indie Fest. And I should mention at this point, your website, HuggerMuggerBrewing.com, has a page for Carolina Indie Fest, and you have the artists listed, and you have links to their Spotify so that people can preview the music. You had sent me some stuff prior to us getting together, and we got to talk about this group if for no other reason, number one, they're local, they're based in Durham, and I just love the name, Secret Monkey Weekend. (laughs) Yes. This is uh, Gordon Anderson, uh, who's at the ranch. I'm going to start with him because these are his friends. Mm. Uh, He's played with them before, and uh, he's the one who made the introduction. You know, Gordon's band as well is playing Ort Patrol, and I have asked Gordon every year for the last four years if he would play at Hugger Mugger, and he's always got some excuse why he's not going to do it. And then this time, I didn't have to ask. He said he wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, that's a good sign. But yeah, Secret Monkey Weekend, they are a lot of fun. It's largely a family affair, mm-hmm. and um, their music, it's its funny, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Traveling Wilburys with a lot more edge to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got a uh, a song called "Do the Secret Monkey," so they're having fun with themselves and their own image. But yeah, they've got songs that they break out. 
it can be a little bit more punky, mm-hmm. right? There's a punk flavor to a number of the bands that we have this year. Yeah, when I heard a couple of the samples, it was kind of a mix of punk with like 50s doo-wop. It was really fascinating to me. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. That's, that is one of the things. Um, I mean, it was a challenge to come up with a lineup in less than a month in order to you know start the whole process of everything you need to do to put on a festival. And I'm really grateful to both Gordon and to Paleface who provided recommendations and reached out to folks because I have a long list of people that either played at Indie Fest last year or we've worked with in the past, you know, and I look at other event venues throughout the Triangle and try and source musicians that way. We've got a ton of great local musicians here, some of whom send me these spreadsheets of all the bands that are categorized by different genre in North Carolina. Mm. So I did a lot of listening to music this year. A lot of uh, sifting through some things to find the most upbeat, festival-friendly music. What about some of the other artists that are coming? Let's briefly touch on uh, some of them, especially some of the more local ones and what they're going to bring to the table. Well, obviously, you know, we talked about Orp Patrol, which, that's funny, my, my wife, when, when I introduced her to them, we listened to a bit on the deck, and she's like, oh, they've got a Billy Idol thing going on, <laughs> which I love as a description for it. I get, I get what she's saying. They're a lot of fun. That's sci-fi-themed punk. Again, it is fun. It's fun. You just, you, you, you can give into it, and, and, and it's a lot of fun. Gordon likes to tease me a little bit about the amount of live original music that they're going to present and that will be, in his estimation, anywhere between 8 minutes and 60 minutes. So we're all very eager to see what's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, there's Orc Patrol and obviously Cliff Wheeler Band. You know, Cliff's an interesting cat. I don't, know where, I don't quite know where to start with him. Not only is his band what I like to call, when we first met Cliff, I like to say that he had roadhouse-style country. Because it did have a little bit of blues to it, mm-hmm. you know, and some of his songs are a little bit darker themes uh, songs. So I, I like that about him. Um, but I know his the band is everyone's really talented. So they're trying a bunch of different types of things with country music, and so they're kind of pushing the envelope with especially their new stuff. I think he wants to play not just for 60 minutes. It's going to be one of those things like he's going to play until he's ready to get off the stage. And honestly. In our opinion, if if you're Cliff Wheeler, you get to do that. Mm-hmm. Cliff's been very good to us in terms of being very supportive. He was the first person I asked him at one point if he would come to the brewery and kind of walk around with me and just talk to me a little bit what it was like to be uh, performing live music and what he saw at the brewery that really captured his imagination and said, this would be a good place for the bands to set up and here are some good ideas for you for how to promote it or or who to bring in. But then also I, I just said almost sheepishly, you know, I, I'd really like to do something larger. I'd love to do a large-scale music festival. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, I may know some guys who can help you do that. Cliff has stepped in to push it for a second year. So really this is – it is kind of his festival as well. He's been so supportive to make it happen. It would not have happened without him. As I said, he's an interesting guy. He's got this uh, thing. I think he's, I don't know how far away now he is from getting his Screen Actors Guild card, but he's starting to be an, uh, an extra in movies even and, oh. uh, and TV shows. I know he got an offer from a very prominent TV series recently that he had to turn down. So it's going to be interesting. Again, you run into these folks who are so creative and doing all original music. Somebody's, one of them, you're going to see them on the big screen, either performing or, in Cliff's case, acting. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So It's definitely got that vibe, you know, especially when you tell a story about the artist that showed up on NBC. This is the opportunity for you to be able to potentially catch someone and see them later on to the point where you're like, oh, I knew them when. <laughs> yeah. And there's a number of artists that I feel that way about this year. The Phantom Playboys, they play on Saturday. They're the they're the band right before Crystal Bright and the Silver Hands. And um, the Phantom Playboys, I first saw them out at Appalachian Brewing out in Boone six, seven years ago. And they're amazing. Uh, I love to tell the fact that their stand-up bass player will flip the bass behind his head and play it behind his head. Mm. You know, they're both musicians and performers. They've got a great stage presence. They bring in brass, which I like. I like brass, and they'll do that. And they've got their own description as like a, um, it's sort of like surfer rock mm. is what they call themselves. I haven't heard that as much as they're more just a, um, they're truly an indie band. Because they've got a very eclectic sound. And last time, I think they were at the brewery, we were able to get them in. And uh, they were jumping up on the tables and playing and just having a great time. They'll do anything to get the crowd engaged. And so that's why I'm really excited to have them. And then right after them, Crystal Bright, she was the one that I said, I really want her to be here. Because the only reason I had first heard of her was I was looking around for somebody who could play the saw. Mm. And, and so she has fiddle strings and she plays the saw. And I had somebody introduce me to her for that. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then I started going through her catalog of stuff on YouTube. She is amazing. The stuff that she did a few years ago was kind of like gypsy rock. There was, there was a lot of Eastern European type sounds and elements added to a rock beat and just driving vocals. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but then she does, she does so much stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So you talked a little bit in sprinkles here and there about what you see as kind of the long-term vision for Carolina Indie Fest. So what's the goal for this year? When you go back and look September 25th, when it's all said and done. What is your hope that will have transpired? Yeah, that that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny because I'm the sort of person that, you know, I wake up a day after an event. My first thought is never like, that was awesome. We did such a great job. It's usually that, oh, thank God tragedy didn't strike. So <laughs> that's, that's my mindset usually. Um, I know the music's going to be great and I know the production value is going to be great. I'd really like to see what I saw last year, which was a lot of happy people, you know, just going around enjoying themselves. I love the fact that we're able to be a community organization that even if we don't provide anything else, we provide an opportunity for folks to see each other, to get together, to make new acquaintances as a gathering place. I think that's really important, and that's really what I would like to see. I mean, some of the people I reached out to as sponsors this year, I did it because I know, you know, when I talked to them last year at the event, they were just so thrilled, and I knew that they would want to see it happen again. And I think we'll see that this year as well. It's just got a lot of good people involved in it, and I think we've made enough tweaks to it, especially putting it later in the day. Five o'clock start on Friday, three o'clock start on Saturday try and mitigate the amount of sun exposure that we had for a festival that last year went noon to moon. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. And we've got a really good line of folks. I want to hear that our downtown businesses did well as well, that they stayed open and it benefited them. And I don't know that we've articulated this yet. If we have, it's worth repeating. The event is free. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that because I always forget to talk about it. Yes, absolutely. It is, it is free open to the public. You don't have to buy a beer. You can come by, enjoy the festival, grab some food from the food truck, or just enjoy the festival. 
Mm-hmm. Come sit out and, and take it all in. And all the other goodies and crafts and things that are going to be going on around and about. Two afternoons, two evenings of what sounds like hopefully is going to be just a fantastic event for all that come by. Yeah, thank you. I, th- I think it will. Carolina Indie Fest will be taking place outside of Hugger Mugger Brewing in downtown Sanford on Friday, September 23rd and Saturday, September 24th. Information on the festival is available online at huggermuggerbrewing.com on their webpage for Carolina Indie Fest. On that webpage is a schedule of music groups for both nights and links to each group's music through their playlists on Spotify. Speaking of Spotify, we're on there too. You can hear past editions of Central Carolina Journal and other podcasts produced by students of Central Carolina Community College by searching for WUAW on Spotify or on any other podcast app. If you prefer, you can also visit www.883wuaw.com forward slash ccj and see everything there as well. If you have an idea for a future episode, give us a call at 910-814-8859 or email us at wuaw at cccc.edu. Central Carolina Journal is a public affairs presentation of Central Carolina Community College and its radio stations, 90.5 WDCC and 88.3 WUAW. To finish out this episode, here's one of the groups slated to perform at Carolina Indie Fest. From Durham, this is Secret Monkey Weekend with their song, Do the Secret Monkey. I'm Fred Brucker. Thanks for listening. Secret monkey mama, shopping in disguise. She went to Harris Teeter for monkey supplies. She did the monkey. The secret monkey. Monkey to the left, monkey to the right.